Welcome to the Swim Slam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining us today, she's a world championship medalist, Commonwealth Games medalist, World University Games medalist, and most recently, uh, the Australian Globetrotter that just cannot get home. Today, we're sitting down with Holly Barrett. Holly, how's it going? Hi, everyone. Really good. Thank you. In Melbourne, in Melbourne, um, for however you want to pronounce it, for our listeners out there, uh, kind of by choice, the the borders in Perth, where where your home is, are hard. Meaning they, uh, you'd have to do a two week hotel quarantine. You'd have to pay for the hotel, and you couldn't swim during that time. So yeah. you've you you've opted to stay in Melbourne for now. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... Originally, the plan coming back from World Short Course uh, was to spend two weeks, if I could, in in Melbourne uh, because the rules here are that you don't have to do hotel quarantine if you're coming back from an international trip. Um, And then I was hoping after that I could go back to uh, WA and and be free there as well. Um, But then the cases in in Victoria where I am... um, were super high COVID cases. So uh, WA had a hard border, not just internationally, but with Victoria as well. So that didn't work. And then um, Western Australia was supposed to soften their borders on February 5th. Um, About a week ago, they changed that rule. So now there's still hard borders indefinitely. Um, But I mean, it's worked out really well because I uh, had come back from from being overseas um, looking for a new coach. Um, and to change programs. So uh, where I've ended up now with Craig Jackson at Melbourne Big Centre is um, that was one of the options I was looking at for a new program. Um, And so, yeah, it just worked out really well that I could come here and and training's been really good so far. What have you enjoyed about that program and and the training you've gotten to do there so far? Um, I think just the the change in the program. Um, Where I came from with my old coach, there was no... um, um, nothing negative about that. It was just um, Will had been my coach for 10 years and I was kind of just looking for a change just to freshen it up and um, do something a little bit different. So I'm enjoying that. The training with Craig is is a little bit different, but it's also quite similar at the same time. So it's not too much of a shock to my system. Um, and, yeah, just a, a different squad. My squad was really small back home. It was just uh, me and two other girls. Um, which was really good. We trained really well together, but now I've got a few more people to train with, a couple of guys in the squad, so it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's just really good. Do, can you tell me a little bit about your current training squad? Are they um, closer to your age? Are they like high school kids? Are, can they keep up with you? Do they, do they smoke you? What's, what's it like? <laughs> Uh, a little bit of everything. So we've got some boys in there. I got three boys. I got a breaststroker, uh, like two hundred freestyler, and a four hundred IMA. Um, and they're pretty early twenties. Maybe sometimes act like they're still in high school, but um, <laughs> yeah. So they're early twenties. I've got another girl, Tara. She's a breaststroker. Um, does a bit of IM too. She's a little bit younger, but um, 
yeah, they, they definitely keep me on my toes uh, in training, but um, sort of maybe showing them how to sprint a little bit. Uh, and then when it gets to the aerobic stuff, they pretty much smoke me all the time, but that's nothing new. <laughs> um, yeah, so what is your training program like? Is it more personalized for you? Or are you just doing what everyone else is doing? Because, um, uh, you know, I think you're, you're known as a little more of a sprint specialist. Yeah, definitely more of a sprint specialist, but I'm, I'm really enjoying just kind of doing what the group's doing and it's a little bit tailored. Um, so we've sort of split it between the sprint guys and the um, more distance guys, but um, it's definitely not tailored just for me. And I'm kind of, yeah, enjoying that after being in such a small squad before it was very specific and it was really good. Um, but yeah, I like just being part of the group a little bit more now. Yeah. What, what is a, like a normal practice for you, like meters wise, is it like 3k, 4k, 6k, 8k? Probably between four and five. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Nice. Um, a little bit more than I'm used to, but, um, yeah, adapting to it pretty well so far, I think. Okay. Um, so location wise, are you from Perth? Yeah, born and bred in Perth. I haven't ever lived anywhere else. Wow. No. Okay. So uh, my idea of Australia, I'm sorry if this comes off as ignorant, is that there's like the West Coast where you are, right? Or South Coast where Melbourne is and, you know, Sydney's on the West side, Brisbane's on the West side. And then it's like a ton of nothing, and then there's Perth on the complete yeah. east yeah. part. So, yeah, other way around. Perth is on the west. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Melbourne, they're all on the east coast, but yeah, there is a big lot of nothing in the middle. Okay. <laughs> um. So, uh, so you've lived in Perth all your life. What? I, obviously, you were from there, so you were raised there. Um. Do you enjoy Perth? what do you enjoy about Perth or, or what, what has made you stay there for all this time until <laughs> these circumstances? Yeah, yeah. No, I really, really like Perth. It's, um, I know it's quite beachy. It's quite laid back. We've got, um, great weather, good people. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not too crowded, but I'm, I mean, probably most people on the East coast would say Perth is a little boring and, you know, not worth the trip over the five hour flight, but, um, yeah, I think that's just because I haven't been there. I think it's, yeah, it's got its own little charm. And, and yeah, if you like the outdoors and the beach and, and everything, it's, it's great. It's a really pretty city. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sold. <clears throat> Sounds great to me. I see yeah. you have your, your, uh, your coffee equipment in the background. Um, <clears throat> but I love, it's my favorite thing to talk to uh, Aussies about. You guys are my favorite peoples because of it. What, how do you like your coffee? Um, let's see. I, well, I usually go to flat white, um, usually with an extra shot. Um, but no, I love a good espresso too. Um, yeah. Just plain. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. But yeah, I've got some, got some new coffees over there to try. I think you can't come to Melbourne and not get into the coffees. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Do, are you someone who like does coffee before practice? Do you do it after practice? Do you kind of do it whenever? Do you have like a routine with your coffee? 
Um, around racing, I'll have I'll have some caffeine, but I'll usually just take a, a no dose or something like a caffeine tablet because um, I don't want a, just a coffee sitting in my stomach. I don't really like that. But um, sometimes during practice, if it's a really hard session and I'm feeling a little bit fatigued, um, yeah, just to kind of pick me up mentally. But yeah, I try not to rely on it too much around racing and training. Um, yeah, sometimes I think it's good to just be able to push yourself without um, having that extra, yeah, caffeine hit. Spoken like a true veteran of the sport. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so let's get to this um, sensational six months of yours, where I think you were home for a total of like two weeks since July. Is that right? Or is that wrong? Oh, uh, maybe, maybe about a month, because we did a training camp before our trials, our Olympic trials. Um, <laughs> that feels like years ago now. <laughs> I don't remember how long that camp was. It was, it was at least a month long. And then, yeah, so that was like May kind of time. And that was in um, Perth, or is that was somewhere else? No, no, we went to Cairns, so North okay. Queensland. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, after Olympic trials, I was home for probably about a month, I think, maybe two, <laughs> and then uh, came came away for ISL. That was late August when I left for ISL. Yeah. Okay. Um, back since. Gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, so you left for ISL. Um, t- tell me about ISL. Your experience in. Naples. So it started in Naples, I guess. Um, how was Naples for you? Naples was great. I really like it. Um, it's, I just kind of like the Italian sort of culture of being a little bit chaotic and loud and, and, um, it's quite carefree. So yeah, I really like the, the vibe of, um, the Italian cities I've been to so far, including Naples. Um, obviously pizza and the ice cream are a bonus on top of that. There was quite a lot of that. How, how um, often, how often do you have pizza and ice cream? during isl um at least once a week okay i i was amazed at how many pizza and ice cream i mean like obviously when in rome but like i I was like you guys are are like you guys are the best athletes in the world you're racing all the time and you're eating pizza and ice cream i want to live your life that sounds awesome yeah. (laughs) yeah it's pretty good can't complain um, but yeah, as far as the racing went, it was really good. It was great to be back in the ISL. Um, obviously I did, uh, the 2019 season, missed the 2020 season. So it was really nice to be back last year, um, with new team with Aqua Centurions and they're such a great team. Um, just everyone on our team is a lot of fun, good energy, um, very passionate about racing well and, and being good athletes and, and about pizza evidently (laughs) there was a lot of talk on our team about whether pineapple should be on pizza or not and um yeah it got a little bit fiery sometimes the debate but yeah us Aussies stuck to our guns and we think there should be pineapple on pizza (laughs) it saddens me that this is such a such a hot topic right like I I don't know I I love pineapple on pizza but I don't I don't see why it's so um so divisive. I just can't think of anything worse. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, so you got the full, you got the full Naples experience being on Aqua Centurions because there were there were some crowds there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was really good, and the, the crowds really got behind us every time we raced. It was nice and loud. So yeah, 
I mean, that's the best part, hearing the crowd cheering and everything. Yeah. So you got to be on the home team. That's I, yeah, I imagine that's a really cool experience. Did you have, was there a race or a meet for that first chunk that stuck out to you? Um, I, know, I think I just, uh, as I went through the matches, got more into it and, um, and I had to do skins a lot of times cause it was butterfly. Um, and I think just, uh, each time I did the skins, I got a little bit further. So the first time I got knocked out in the first round, the second match, uh, we did, I got knocked out in the second round and then the last match I made it to the last round. So uh, like, uh, each time I was able to go a little bit further, like there's more crowd participation and it's like, you just get to be out there for longer and it's just, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, how do you feel about the skins? I like the skins. Yeah, it's very hard. I think obviously it's physically very hard and it really burns the legs, but I think it's way more of a mental challenge, especially in a 50 where you have to, you know, you have to be on the start. You can't take too many breaths. You can't, you know, you can't mess up anything like a normal 50, but, you know, once you get put under that pressure and you really want to breathe, like that's, it's the mental side of it. You have to keep really focused so you just don't let anything slip. So, yeah, that was a good challenge. I liked it. What, so for a 50 fly, especially moving through the skins round. So let's, let's say your third match where you made it to the final round. What is, what's the breathing pattern for you? Does it change as you go through the fifties? Uh, so the first 50 would be one breath Well, I breathe on the turn and then one breath on the way back. Um, try and do that again for the second 50 and then maybe the third 50, two breaths on the second lap. Yeah. I think that that's if I can get it done right, that's how I would do it. But sort of the maybe the second round where I got to the sorry the second match I did where I got to the second round of the skins, that all fell apart. And I think I breathed on the first lap and then on the turn and then two on the way back. And yeah, just I wasn't sort of mentally prepared for like how focused you need to stay. So it, yeah, let a couple of skills slip like that. But um, yeah, probably two breaths plus the turn. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So that's, that's, it's not a lot of breaths. <clears throat> um, but like you said, that's, that's. Don't have time to breathe when you're racing, when you're racing those guy women. Uh, no kidding. Uh, so, okay. So you go through Naples, um, lots of pizza, lots of ice cream. It's a good time. Lots of racing. Um, so then did you do the world cups next? Yep. Yeah. I was at the world cups. Um, that was really good. It was a nice sort of change to just doing one race per session. Um, so I could really focus on that. Um, you know, back in the, the well lit pool and there's not crazy lights everywhere and like <laughs> you don't have races six minutes apart. Um, so yeah, it was good just to get back to, um, something more normal, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, as far as, you know, the way we normally race. Do you have a preference for one over the other? Like the ISL style, like lots of races all at once versus World Cup where you're doing, you know, a prelim a day, a final a day, maybe maybe two? Yeah, um, I don't know if you can really – they're so different. I don't think I can pick, yeah, a favorite. I think um, the, the best thing about ISL is that how chaotic it is um, and – you know, the times matter less, but the places matter more and the team spirit matters more and everything like that. Whereas, um, and I really love that. And then at the World Cups, it's it's a lot more individual and there's the really focused side of it. Um, 
then it's still a lot of fun because you've got, you know, everyone around you and so many people that I've met through ISL I know now know at the World Cups and we had a, a little Aussie team sort of going as well. So, yeah, I, don't know, I like both because they're so different. Uh, yeah, why? if you can have both, why not, right? Um, <clears throat> for World Cups, did you have a, a what, what were the events that you were focusing on um, at the World Cups? Uh, so I have my usual 350s, butterfly, backstroke, and freestyle. Um, and then I added the 100 fly because um, that was on day three and I didn't have any anything else on day three. So I thought, let's work on the 100 fly. <laughs> how, to, how did that go? <laughs> Uh, at the first stop in Berlin, I got a PV, which was nice. Um, so that was cool. And then, yeah, mixed results after that. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of everything. <clears throat> um, what's, what do you think, how do you think a 50 breast would go for you? How does 36 sound? I'm pretty sure that's my current PV for a short course 50 breaststroke. Do you think you yeah. could go, do you think you could go a PB? It seems attainable. I could probably try it. I think it was a few years since I did the last one. I think <laughs> if I just work on my start and my turn, just make the smallest amount of breaststroke possible in the actual lap by making the skills better, then yeah, maybe. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, okay, so so when you work on the hundred fly, do you have to change your stroke? Do you what? How does your focus shift from you know just doing a fifty, which I'm guessing there's some similarities even through the different strokes of just the the distance you're racing versus a hundred. Yeah, I think uh, in the hundred, it definitely you need to have a bit more of that sort of flowing rhythm. Um, in in the fifty, it's kind of it's well, at least my stroke is a lot more stiff, um, and it's just like it's just all legs and get your arms over as fast as possible, and also try not to break. Um, we, yeah, whereas in the 100, you've got to add the breathing. I usually breathe every second stroke and, and just try and um, stay off my legs in the first 25 and just build in the second 25. So, yeah, you get a lot longer stroke and, and a bit more flow, which I, I definitely couldn't keep my 50 right up for 100 metres. <laughs> did, did you enjoy racing the 100? Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Again, it's a, it's a mental challenge. Um, going especially short course you need to try and keep your uh, breathing under control into the turns because now there's four instead of wait there's three instead of one and um you know keeping the the dolphin kicks in the underwater you know the same even though you you need the oxygen um yeah i think yeah just again like the mental challenge which you don't get so much in the 50 yeah the that's <clears throat> seems like a, co a a common theme for you which is pretty cool uh yeah nice to do to do different stuff um like the last weekend i raced the 200 freestyle which i never would normally do um and it's it's just <laughs> nice to do some some different things and sort of engage your mind a little bit more differently and different challenges how'd the 200 free go i got a pb i'm so excited <laughs> uh yeah so it, i mean this is not a well-beating time. It was a 204 high, but yeah, I was pretty happy. <laughs> hey, the, you're, you're 34. Is that right? Mm -hmm. It's PBs at 34. I mean, come on. That's, that's a win. That's a major win. Yeah. It's a start of the season. So we'll see what I can do by the end. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so what, 
uh, World Cup wise, did you have a favorite stop? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, where, well, we started in Berlin. Berlin was fun. Um, I always like going to that pool. Um, it's just nice to just to be back there in the city and everything. Um, and also, I think that was probably my best racing, um, probably my fastest racing. And I think just um, because it was the switch from ISL to the to the World Cups, and it was a little bit different, so I felt quite fresh, like going into the competition. Um, so racing wise, that was probably my best one. Um, Budapest is always good to go to because, um, again, a great pool. Um, that was that racing wise was a little bit hit and miss, um, but yeah, I think that was good. Uh, we were in Doha after that, which was really cool because I've never been to that part of the world before. Um, and yeah, there was some good music in Doha and Kazan that were playing at the pool. Just like I started getting like really happy around the pool because just the music they were playing. So that was really cool. Um, so yeah, maybe those two stops, um, Kazan and Doha, were probably the most fun and because they're getting towards the end of it then um by that point the the point system like everyone's kind of working out where maybe they're going to rank in the in the points at the end and it's getting close so you really start thinking about your placing a little bit more so yeah probably those two stops were the most fun that sounds super fun <laughs> especially if you can see people on deck kind of their their gears yeah. turning of like yeah. okay what what do i need to place really yeah especially for those couple of top positions but yeah there was um and it's cool to see how uh, someone in in a completely different event from you might influence the points for you and the people that you race so yeah it's just cool like seeing how it all unfolds uh okay so during this world cup stop or world cup series do are you paying for hotels are you paying for airfare how do the finances of it work for you yeah so for me personally i pay for the airfares and the hotel for the world cup okay so and doing some tips to race well <laughs> <laughs> no kidding i mean i know i've talked to people uh before who were like yeah, so I went to this World Cup stop and then I had to win this much money so I could yeah. go to the next World Cup stop. Yeah. And then I had to win this, yeah, <laughs> which sounds intense. Uh, so yeah. do you, I mean, obviously, like ISL was kind of your first month away. Do, at, at this point, it was like the second month um, on the road in hotels, I'm assuming, and just kind of eating not your home cooked food kind of having having to figure out new routines what every three to five to ten days or something do you get used to that how, how do you manage that personally um yeah so it was in hotels and we're eating the buffet food um uh, for most of the time and yeah traveling about every week um packing got really stressful because uh like i was over i because I knew I was going to be away for so long. I was going to be in all these different climates. I had to pack for warm weather and cold weather and I had all my swimming equipment and I had different uniforms and everything. And, and every place I went, I seemed to accumulate more stuff. So it got harder to pack every time. My, my luggage got heavier every time. And so um, that, that part of it was probably the, really the only stressful thing. The rest of it I just try and stay pretty laid back about. Um, 
you know, even though obviously with ISL, we're with the team um, and everything's organised as far as transport, food and hotels goes. So that's easy. I just have to go where I'm told. Um, but even with the, the World Cups, we're still kind of all together. You know, FINA does an awesome job of organising it. So I really don't have to think about too much apart from getting my flights and packing my bags. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, anything that's different. Like sometimes you get sick of the food a little bit if you're generally eating the same thing uh, every day. But in the end, like, you can't complain. <laughs> Is there ever a point where it's it's hard to eat to find the right foods or hard to eat the right foods or just get the proper nutrition get the proper recovery or rest that you need to be able to race at your best um no i i personally haven't found any real problems with um trying to get the right food i think the places we stay are always really good um like i said it can get a little bit samey but i think everything's there that we need um yeah, and we also have the freedom to go out and, and buy anything else that, that we feel that we need. Um, yeah, I think sometimes with all the moving around and um, sort of training times being different, it, it can be a little bit hard to get a routine as far as recovery and, and rest and, and everything goes. But in general, it's, it's pretty good. Like I think anyone that's done the circuit before knows what they're in for. Um, but yeah, you just have to stay relaxed about it. Go with the flow. Uh, <laughs> go with the flow. Uh, were you, have you, sorry, when, how long have you been on, on the national team or competing on an inter- international level? Um, I, the first, the first international meet I did was 2013 World University Games. Um, I did that in 2013 and 2015 and uh the first time I made the Australian team was 2017 um that was Worlds and then in 2018 I had Commonwealth Games um and since then I've just been doing the ISL and the World Cups so yeah it's it's been a little while now okay have do you feel like you've always been fairly relaxed in terms of traveling and being able to go with that flow and be away from home for extended periods yeah, I think so. Um, I think when I first started making the teams, I was just really excited to be there. So I was just kind of happy with whatever happened, you know, like we had flight delays and, and things like that. But I remember that um, they could get frustrating. But I mean, it, if you let yourself get mad about stuff like that, it's just going to use more energy and make you more tired. And, you know, maybe you won't enjoy the trip so much. So yeah, I just kind of really liked being there and, and was happy to race. And and sure, like there are challenges, but Again, I like a challenge. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fair enough. Um, so th- you, you moved through the World Cup. Uh, ISL leg number two, very exciting for the Aqua Centurions. Uh, it was in Eindhoven. Um, how, did, how was that experience for you? It was really fun. Yeah. Just um, getting another opportunity to race with those guys and stay with them in Eindhoven for another five or so weeks. Um, yeah, we raced really well. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't rank quite as high as we wanted to um, by the last match. But uh, like I said, that it's such a great team and, and that's really passionate about, you know, racing well, no matter where we're ranked and, and what the results might look like on paper and, and everything uh, going into the match. 
um, whether we're favourites or underdogs or anything. So, yeah, always a good team to race with. Sorry, I think I I messed this up in my mind. So the Centurions won the death match, right? Uh, no, we avoided the death match. And avoided? They- yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, mixed it up again. So you avoided the death match. You got you were the sixth seeded team heading in, so you were the last one that automatically made it. Yeah. Um, so so you raced in Eindhoven. Um, did you have, was there a meet that stuck out to you or a race that stuck out to you, um, in those playoff matches? Um, probably not one that, that really stuck out. I think, um, yeah, it, every time we raced, it was, it was just fun. I think we started out really well. We went in really strong in the first match we had there. And, um, I think maybe in the last match we were a little bit, more like, oh, well, you know, we, we're not ranked as high as, as we wanted to going in. So the, the energy was maybe a little bit down on that last match, but uh, I still think we finished strong and, and everyone in every race tried their best. So, yeah, they're all good matches. Okay. So then uh, coming from Eindhoven, how long was it before Short Course Worlds? Uh, about two weeks. Um, from the last time I raced, I'm pretty sure in, um, the last match I had in Eindhoven, then I stayed there for another week just until the finals were done. And I watched the finals, uh, and then went to Amsterdam for a week after that and trained with Mark Faber and that's what, which was really cool for a week. Um, yeah, before going down to Abu Dhabi. Okay. What, who, who all is in that squad? So Kira Toussaint's in there, uh, Jesse Putz, Anna Kaminga, um, yeah, and a few of the other guys. Yeah, yeah, it's a good squad. That's a loaded I squad. I enjoyed uh, my week training there. <laughs> um, Amsterdam is by far one of the coolest places I've ever been. That yeah, I'm... yeah, definitely enjoyed like having a look around the city while I was there as well. Nice. Uh, so then, so then you go off to short course worlds. Uh, you're the only Aussie there as Australia didn't send like a formal team. Um, what, what motivated you? What made you want to make that trip knowing that Australia was not sending a team? Um, just to, to race for Australia again, um, as I guess not really part of the Australian swim team, but yeah. As, as part of the Australian swim team, just to put on the green and gold again. And um, I, yeah, really wanted to do that. And I knew that um, when I was leaving Australia to come away, I knew it was going to be a long trip and I didn't want to go all that way and then come home before World Championships if I could go. So <laughs> I was just going to add it to the add it to the trip. And, yeah, it worked out really well. I had some, some good races and some average races. Um, so... Yeah, that side of it was a bit up and down, but yeah, I really enjoyed being there. And, and like I said before, meeting everybody through the ISL and then the World Cups, um, even though I was there as the only Australian, there, were, there was just this whole team of people from all over the world who, were, who had my back and yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Was, was the process of like, did you have to talk to Australia at all about going? Was there any kind of formal qualification where you basically just like, Hey, I know you're not sending a team, but like, can I go? And they're like, yep. <laughs> it was, uh, they had an, an expression of interest. So anybody who wanted to go could put their hand up. And then if they had 
the qualifying times and if they were the top two uh, fastest people who wanted to do whichever event, then, then they could go. And so originally Emma McKeon, Maddie Wilson and Kyle Chalmers uh, had put their hand up to go. Um, but by the time it came around to actually going, those guys had been away from home for so long. They just wanted to get back to Australia. So that's totally fair. Yeah, pretty understandable. So yeah, I'm I'm curious about your level of emotional fatigue at that point. Was it were you still, you know, really excited heading into that meet? Well, maybe that's not the the right phrasing. Were you emotionally fatigued heading into that meet at all having been away from home for so long? I think I was a little bit. Um I definitely felt mentally and physically fatigued by the end of the ISL. Um, I think if you have a look at my times from the last match I did in Eindhoven, they're, they're not my best. And I think I, I was just struggling to keep going because it had been so many races by then. And um, yeah, I, but I, I had really hoped that the, the two weeks in between um, the last ISL match and then being in Abu Dhabi, I would just be able to reset and get some training done get back into a bit more of a routine. And I think that really helped. So that by the time I did get to Abu Dhabi, I was, I was feeling pretty good and I had my motivation back and I was ready to race again. And maybe not a hundred percent by the time I started, but like 99, like really close. And I think um, once I had started racing um, in Abu Dhabi, that that sort of brought, brought that last 1% back. And yeah, I did have a lot of fun racing there and I didn't really feel like I was fatigued anymore once I got going. Nice. That's, that's, that's really inspiring to hear. Um, I mean, I've personally, I've been on the road, not even racing for I don't know, a week or two at a time. And that to me is like, that's a lot. And you know, you're at that point, you're on like month four. Yeah, <laughs> um, so it's a whole nother level. Um, it's, it's very impressive to me. Uh, so then you did you come from Abu Dhabi did you just go straight to Melbourne and you've been there since uh no then I went to Sweden uh and I spent Christmas <laughs> with uh, Michelle Coleman. <laughs> yeah. well this was also to avoid uh quarantine because this sort of to stay in Europe over Christmas and New Year was planned kind of even before I organize the whole Melbourne side of it um, because I knew if I come back to Perth straight from Abu Dhabi I would be in hotel quarantine for Christmas and New Year and my birthday and I wasn't doing it. Which is when? Uh, January 1st. Okay. Yeah so um, so I knew I wasn't doing that so I was like I'll just stay in Europe and I'll um, I had made no plans I was like I'll just talk to one of my ISL team members you know see you know what's going on like I could have gone to um, Barcelona maybe or to London or to Budapest or something and I'll just see how it plays out um, but in the end yeah I was talking to Michelle and um, talked about going to Sweden and yeah it was it worked out really well I spent Christmas with her family and um, yeah had all the presents around the Christmas tree and everything it was really cute and yeah just a really good way to spend um, Christmas and I haven't been to Stockholm before either so that was cool and then um, over New Year's, we went up north of Sweden and uh, tried skiing for the first time, which was fun. Um, got some bruises <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I came back to Melbourne after that. 
So when you were north of Sweden, how long was it light out every day? Oh, yeah. Um, so I think the sun came up at about 10.30 in the morning and was <laughs> down by about 2.30 in the afternoon. And really, you could only see it if you went on the top of the mountain. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. And so I think um, the, the sun being up so much here in Melbourne, you know, it gets to like 9 p.m. at night and I still don't, if I haven't checked the time, I feel no pressure to cook dinner yet or anything because I still feel like it's daytime. <laughs> and then I look and it's nine o'clock. I'm like, well, I should probably make dinner <laughs> now and go to bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't, I didn't even realize that I, or didn't even think about you're in the opposite hemisphere, but also that in the summers, it, it stays light really late there. Yeah, so I think that's the thing that got me the most. It wasn't the time difference. I didn't get jet lagged or anything. I think it was just being so used to the sun setting so early, um, being in the Netherlands. And then we were we went in Abu Dhabi for that long before I was back in the winter in Sweden. So, yeah, I had the sun setting very early for a long time and, and coming here really kind of threw me. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I can imagine. Did was there a, a reset period or like how long did it take before you felt like you were back to normal when you, once you got back to Australia? Um, well, I've been back for, been back for about three weeks now. It's probably took two weeks. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, um, that makes sense. Um, so now you're back, you're, you're training with a new team. Things are going well. Um, I, this has been on my mind pretty much this whole podcast, you're 34 and you did this whole thing. Like you're swimming like an age grouper. Um, you're, you're hitting PBs. You're going months at a time on the road and going to all these different meets. I mean, that's freaking amazing to me. Uh, especially when you have contemporaries who are retiring like Femka and Renomi, um, who were, how I get back to the ISL. <laughs> who are, I mean, who are younger than you. Um, so what's up with that? Uh, how, you know, it, at, at you've, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've been swimming for most of your life. Um, like you said, you've been on the internet, you know, you competing internationally, um, not super long, but for nearly a decade now. Um, I mean, you knew what you were getting into with this trip. You knew you'd be gone for months at a time. What, what was the motivation behind wanting to do such a big thing like that? Um, I think just wishing I had done it sooner and, and not wanting to miss out on it. I wish I had sort of known about the World Cup circuit and, um, yeah, when I, was, when I was younger and just getting into the international um, sort of side of things. Um, it's just so much fun. Like, I obviously COVID pushed everything back by one year, so I might have been finished now if, if that hadn't happened. Um, but I also think going into our Olympic trials last year, I wasn't enjoying swimming that much. I think um, I was thinking about I was thinking about leaving then. I even sort of checked out before we even got to trials and and just because I wasn't enjoying it and uh, couldn't really see the point in what I was doing. Um, but, yeah, that sort of made me want to do the ISL because I'd done it once before and I knew how fun it was. Um, I just wanted to do it again. And, and it really just reignited my love for, for swimming and 
and I think the traveling side of it is is part of it it's not just the single race you do it's it's all the training and it's the traveling and it's yeah the continuous racing um yeah that I really like so getting back into that just kind of made me love swimming again and that's why I'm going around one more time (laughs) so uh going around one more time meaning do you have a, a specific goal in mind or do you have a specific end date of like I want to shoot for this and then I think I'm going to be done yeah I think at the end of this year that will be that'll be it I hope like, so anyway. at the, end, wanna, at the yeah. end of 2022 yeah yeah so I want to I want to finish on a high I want to finish enjoying the sport I don't want to leave it thinking oh why did I do that for such a big part of my life what a waste um I want to look back on it and think that was amazing and and that's how I feel now so hopefully that can continue for the rest of the year um and so far you know I I think I'm in a really good spot so yeah I think I'll finish um really having enjoyed what I've done but yeah (laughs) do you feel like you were um a late bloomer at all in the sport not not just getting to the international scene later not just you know, going X elite time late, but, um, you know, just mentally getting, getting acclimated to things, learning tricks or learning how to do this or that in the pool or, um, how to operate as a professional. Do you feel like maybe you, you got to that later in life than some other athletes do? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I did train as a teenager, but I never really had the passion for it that I have now. And so I didn't train uh, hard enough. I probably did six sessions a week. And, um, but I think more of, I don't know if it would have changed anything, but I know I definitely wasn't aware of what I could do in swimming. I sort of always looked at where I was at sort of a, um, a state maybe national level and then I looked at the Olympic swimmers and I thought how can I ever go from where I am to where they are it just seemed impossible and I had no idea about all the little steps you can take in you know from to get from there to there um I didn't know about world cups I didn't even know about any of the junior things like junior worlds youth olympics like any of that um and I think if I had known about those things then I could have made appropriate goals and and being more passionate about it. Um, but that's a what if, that's hindsight. Um, so I think maybe even if I had known all those things, maybe I, I still would have gone down the path I did. But, yeah, I, I left swimming when I was about 18 uh, and I didn't have any intention then of coming back uh, until I started coaching just as a casual job um, when I was about 23 um, and just being around the pool again, around that competitive environment again, sort of got me going. And I got back in when I was 24. So, yeah, it's sort of been a long career, but at the same time, a short one. Um, like I would say, I've had two swimming careers. So, yeah, this second one has been wildly different than the first one. <laughs> Let me get this straight. You didn't swim for five years. In like what some might consider to be a human being's athletic prime, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't buy into that mindset. But yeah. eighteen to twenty-three, what were you doing? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, well, I mean, I went. I started uni. <laughs> I was just working casual jobs. I started uni. 
um, which I finished soon after um, I got back into swimming. Um, yeah, I was kind of just taking it easy, figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, looking at different options and just uh, all through school, uh, it was it was very obvious that, you know, I was the swimmer and so then always had to train and could never hang out with my friends. So one of the things I liked doing was just hanging out with my friends and being able to, you know, socialise without having to think about getting up for training at 5 o'clock in the morning. So, yeah. yeah. That's why I quit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So through through uni through those five years, were you still uh, like active? Or, you know, did did you swim recreationally at all? Did you, I don't know, run, gym, do do anything else? I didn't touch the water once, and I think I went to the gym once. <laughs> One time. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not. I was not. I yeah, didn't exercise. It was very unfit when I came back. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, so let's, let's go back to our timeline. You start coaching at 23, mm-hmm. you get back in the water at 24, yeah. uh, and you make world university games at 26. Yeah. <laughs> You're my hero. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so yeah, once you got back in at 24, can you tell me about what, what getting back was like? Um, it was really, really good to start with because um, obviously it had zero fitness. So that came back really quickly. So um, training sessions like, um, got better every week and there were obvious changes. Um, every time I raced, I got a lot faster. Um, just going from trying to get some state qualifying times up to, you know, trying to get a national qualifying time. And I remember the first time I did the 100 fly, once I had come back, I equaled the national qualifying time. So (laughs) I just got in there. Um, Yeah, and then had my my first ever national championships at the age of 24, which I always thought was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. That's that. I mean, that's so cool. So yeah. what? Yeah, I guess also being a sprinter, it's it's easier um, to to come back. You know, the races. It's not like I'm training for a 400 IM. That would have hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> um, so what was why? I mean, you started coaching at 23, but why? What was the spark? What you know, flipped the switch for you, or or what was the inspiration of? Hey, maybe I want to try to do this again. Yeah, I, I think when I did get back in the pool, I had no expectations of where I might end up, um, you know, as far as swimming internationally or making any teams or anything like that. I just was looking at the kids I was coaching and thinking, I can do that better. <laughs> Beat them. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was, it was as simple as that, like <laughs> quite competitive. So I was just like, okay, um, I need to... I need to show you how to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to stand on pool deck and, and coach you. So, yeah. <laughs> Wrong. This is how you do it. I can do that. <laughs> That's so great. Okay. So you, you get back and then, and, and then, and then you have, I mean, a full career. Uh, did you go to trials in 2016? Yes, I did. Um, so at that point I'm, was still sort of coming back up and, and still trying to improve my times. Um, 
see, yeah, I wasn't thinking about trying to make the Olympic team or anything like that. Um, it was just another opportunity to um, sort of try and get my time, like improve my world ranking, but yeah, not to that sort of level. What I'm curious, what did you place at trial or what did you swim at trials and, and where did you place? Good question. <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think um, I would have been focusing on the 100 backstroke at that point and I think um, I was probably in the final, maybe around 6th or 7th at that point. And I think each year I sort of went up a, a couple of places. So maybe it was around 5th, maybe 6th um, or 7th the year before, then a little bit higher. And then by 2017 it was 2nd, so that's when I made the team. So, yeah, just a, a bit of improvement every year, which was nice. You got fifth or sixth Olympic trials final, and you're like, I don't really remember. <laughs> Man, I, I'm, I'm a little jealous of that. Uh, and so, yeah, so then, like you said, you got second in the hundred back in 2000 set in 2017. Um, made the world's team, led off in 59.6 in prelims, which is blazing, uh, and they got bronze in the final. was that was that a defining moment for you was that a culminating moment what how did you feel about winning a world's medal at that point for you that was it was really really exciting um watching the the final um because Bronte brought us home in the in the freestyle leg and I just remember screaming so loud because it was so close to fourth it was a really good race between third and fourth um, so yeah, it was just really exciting. And then being part of an Australian relay team, like that's, that's a pretty cool thing. And, um, I always have a lot of respect for our relay teams cause we, we, well, they perform really, really well. So yeah, to be part of that was exciting. But I think, um, what I remember most from that meet was the feeling I had after I swam the first race I had was my hundred backstroke heat. Um, and the feeling I had walking back from, from that race, I just felt really proud of myself that, that I had got there. And, um, yeah, um, obviously I, I swam the semifinal and, and didn't make it into the final. I think I'm ninth or something annoying like that. But, um, yeah, it was just that feeling I had after the heat that I got the first race out of the way. I was there. Um, you know, I, I qualified um, not just as, as a relay swimmer, but I'd gone under the individual qualifying time. So I was meant to be there. Um, you know, I really earned my spot. So yeah, it's, that was a cool feeling. Um, I think by the time I got to that, that last race, um, doing the heat of the, the relay, I was really looking for a PB at that point and I was 0.02 over my PB. So, um, that was, yeah, it was close, but it was still a good race. I was happy with it. Uh, I'm looking here and you made the final of the 50 back. Um, did any, anything to add about making, making a world championship final at your first world champs? Um, not really. Um, (laughs) that was, again, it was really fun. It was very, very cool to be in a final. Um, and the fifties are always fun. I think I was, I was really there to focus on the hundred and, and do some really good races there. And they were really consistent, um, which I was happy with But Yeah. The fifties are more, more fun. And um, yeah, it's just fun to kind of show off your speed a little bit and 
yeah, in a race that, that doesn't hurt too much as well. Yeah, that sounds fun. <clears throat> um, so that was 17. Um, and, you know, flash forward to today, you're thinking this is, this is your last year. What makes this, you know, what makes this the right time for you? What, what, what makes it okay with after this year? You're like, okay, I can, I can call it a second career. Yeah. Um, I think just looking at things I want to do after swimming. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm really, really enjoying it. I could probably go another round. I don't think, uh, physically I'm, you know, needing to retire, have no injuries. I'm still doing PBs. So, so that side of it, I could definitely keep going, but I, I don't want to do the same thing forever. I want to go and um, explore new ways of living basically. <laughs> like what? <laughs> um, well, I've been looking at being a pilot. So yeah, that's exciting. Um, been starting doing a bit of study for that and um starting to get that ball rolling um yeah so yeah <laughs> what calls to you about being a pilot um I think I just yeah I've been looking at the defense force uh, as a pilot rather than a commercial pilot and I think um just the it's kind of an exciting job it's there's adrenaline there's you know it's it's not in an office basically. So <laughs> that's kind of what I want. I want to be outdoors. Um, I like, yeah, just that kind of, that kind of job. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So, so this is, this is the last go around. It's the right time for you. Still going PBs. You can still keep going, but <clears throat> I respect your decision. Uh -huh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've kept you here way too long. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and basically discuss your life story with us. I really appreciate hearing your whole perspective on this. It's, it's really cool to get someone in our sport who is as professional as you and, and took this whole month long, sorry, multiple month long trip um, to, to get to do their sport. So Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it, Holly. No, thank you. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.